citizens of the verse today is march 31st 2951 and welcome to another episode of readcast we're a weekly star citizen podcast sponsored by the read organization i'm your host way too geeky and i'm joined by my co-host the monotone menace himself Chekhov. say hello Chekhov. Hello, everybody. Just kidding. Chekhov's not here tonight. <laughs> um, it's his daughter's birthday, so he's going to skip on us. Um, but he'll be back next week. But you can say hello to our other co-host, Seagard. Say hello, Seagard. Hello, everybody. We're hoping this works. My new microphone. So. I mean, it's sounding good right now. It's. I mean, okay. Let's good. see. I can't hear myself <laughs> either, so I can't tell how we sound in conjunction with one another. Okay. Um. But yeah, uh, we don't have a guest tonight, unfortunately, because I had to reschedule at the last minute. Zake will be joining us next week instead. Um, but, uh, you know, how's your week been, Seagard? seems like you've been up to a lot. I've been kind of distant in a way. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been playing a little bit, been doing some more um, kind of laying out some concepts for the org Um there's just some planning it has to go. We we we'll talk about it a little bit, but we did a town hall the other day and got a census from the org of its members where where they thought we they wanted to go and some of the some of the things that they you know would like to see. Um, and I'm just kind of laying out a skeleton of how we might do those things. So oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I I even missed that. Unfortunately, I had a, a work oriented uh, thing to do on Sunday. Um, so I unfortunately missed that. Yeah, it's the advantages uh, of being unemployed. Uh, well, it's just been like I've been super crazy busy. And sometimes I'm like, what day is it? Who am I? When can I be normal again? And I don't know if that's ever the case, but I, actually I'm never normal. So I guess I can't complain too much. <laughs> um, so I've been not normal. That's essentially <laughs> what i've been up to this past week i don't think i've played since we recorded last week um at all so yeah that's a bummer but it i is. think it's sort of it's common you know it's pre pre ptu um mode so that happens to mo the best of us um and luckily we have a pretty active org but i tried to pop in the other day and i was like so tired and no one was on and i was like you know what i'm just gonna watch a show and go to bed so <laughs> <laughs> that's the way it works sometimes, right? Yeah, that is it. yeah exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, even tonight, I'm like, do I stay on after this or do I watch Godzilla versus Kong? I'm I was like, going to do that I, the other day. I think I might watch Godzilla versus Kong, to be quite honest. Yeah. No offense, everybody. I'm just <laughs> eagerly waiting 313. Um, so this past week's been interesting. Uh, we had our final uh, ISC before 313, uh, and they talked a little bit more in detail about the reputation system. So the future of the reputation system, I think, is the most interesting thing uh, because it's really, it you know, like everything else, there's a systemic or systematic component to it where it's like, you know, everything's based on your interactions with different types of entities, and those values can be tracked um so for instance you know the the current system tracks some types of behaviors like killing certain types of npcs might increase your rep with one faction um but decrease it with another etc um but down the road there'll be more and more 
sort of entities that you can interact with. Um, so yeah, the mission performance uh, as the, as the system is currently um, balanced has a huge impact. Um, so, you know, if you fail a mission, that's going to change things. And there's sort of two things that they track right now that we saw. Uh, there's affinity um, with an org. And then there's confidence with mission givers. So confidence with mission givers shows, you know, how much they trust you. Um, you know, it'll increase the opportunities that you have and the rewards that you get. Uh, with organizations, you sort of have a career track and you get bonuses based on what level you're at. And yeah, I think at the end of the day, they're trying to create a game loop where you have to sort of maintain your reputation with the people that you're going, you know, the, the mission givers and the orgs that you're going to want to. And they did sort of make it sound as though it's not going to be as easy as you think. Like, I, I, I have a feeling you're not going to be balancing five different orgs and six different npcs i think you're going to have to gravitate towards some agreed and i and i also think that um there there is going to be a place that's you know not quite rock bottom but it gets you to the point where your reputation is so low and you're unable to work in that you have to either start mm -hmm. your a new profession or to start your reputation or you yeah. have to move and establish new contacts or you may even have to dip into that nefarious world of crime and you know the uh uh i guess um the underbelly I, of the verse yes the underbelly of the verse <laughs> right yeah. you might have a trash can that's yours in the back alleyway where uh, that's where you do business right so yeah well and especially because you can get negative reputation and i can't imagine like if you start killing nine tails i don't know what it's going to take to get your reputation back unless it's like i'm going to kill miles eckhart you know Who right knows? Right. Um, they did also say that down the road, other decisions will impact your rep, including um, one of the best examples I liked was, you know, Constantine Hurston's a total snob. And so if you show up with like tasteless uh, apparel or armor or tacky looking armor, um, he might think less of you and might be less, less likely to give you missions. So I, I like that's that. really interesting. I like that. I think that's good because yeah. if you show up with creepy army armor, is he going to be like intimidated by you? Yeah, and I can imagine also like if for for <clears throat> pirates and such, if you don't have intimidating looking armor, they might not take you seriously, or they might not think you're fearsome. And the same thing with like sort of the luxury side of things. Right. Yeah, it's a best tuxedo with a pair of work boots doesn't quite cut it. Yeah, but that's exactly. that's kind of what I would do though. <laughs> <laughs> i'm fancy in some ways but that's not right. in others that's right hand me a beer i'll be good <laughs> hand me a bud that's that's me that's um, me yeah uh that episode also featured a patch report so that's just a rundown of all the things coming so 313 should be having uh the reputation system caves uh, cave entrances, rather, and and it seems like slightly newer caves, like in terms of how far you could drive down. Uh, polished asteroids, updates to the refinery stations, look and feel, uh, texture improvements on different planets, uh, updated missions, staggering, object push and pull, mounted guns, ship to ship docking, so the Merlin, um, to the Connie, etc. Uh, visual wear and tear, mining subcomponents the ship naming system, 
sine distance field shields uh, and the Cyclone MT. And then, unfortunately, but still coming in 313, but 313 dot whatever, ship to station docking, the Tonk, and the the two star lifters. Right. Um, anything you most excited about? Uh, definitely, definitely the docking. Um, mm. To me, um, I, I I just have a feeling that, um, and I, I'm hoping I'm right. Um, I'm having a feeling that we are going to see something like a a little bit heavier, um, a little bit more of an upgrade to the Constellation series. Um, in the, in the form of light switches, maybe the loading um, bay will be fixed so you can load vehicles in a little bit better. Um, you know, you have like light switches and lighting like you have on the uh, MSR. Um, yeah. Also, there's the change in the shields, right? It's the visual change, I guess, not the actual change, but it's going to kind of help plug some of those holes down the road that we experience like on a Connie. Mm. Um, and, uh, I, I think that's interesting. I, I will be very surprised if we don't see some expanded ability around cargo. We have these cargo bays, but you really don't do a lot with them right now. Mm. Right. And they were put in what before or after mining? Were they before? Um, before mining. Yeah. So you have, you have the C2 and the, you know, the uh, Hercules coming down the road. You've had the Nomad out. You had the MSR come out. We had the cargo bays added. We had tractor beams added. But no real significant difference in cargo play other than those. Yeah. And those are all wonderful things. But, you know, I think uh, I'm interested to see if they don't bring the prices more in line with rock mining. Uh, yeah. So you can make a little more profit, things like that. Uh, make it more viable again. Definitely. I mean, I will say I don't know if the hauling's going to be that cha- you know that much changed this coming patch, but it's coming right. this year. Um, right. And I would also my guess, if I'm just guessing, I don't think we're gonna we will see some Connie changes because they introduced the airlock to make. Oh, it, that's true too. Um, that's true. You know, yeah. not uh, mess well, up even- the ship. Even missions, I mean, you have, you know, like you have a lot of missions for bounty hunting, right? You have a natural progression. Mm-hmm. Um, in mining, you don't have that. And in logistics, in cargo, you don't have that except in small ships. And it doesn't really get any harder. Um, so I could see where they take the pattern that they've applied the, applied the bounty hunting. And maybe that's one of the things we see come out that's not announced. Right. Um, if you want to, if you want to take an MSR out and you want to fill it up, you know, if you don't have the money, you can't really do it. But if you have someone who's has cargo and you're going to make five thousand dollars for hauling one hundred and ten pieces, then you're having fun as a as an MSR guy, right? Um, so I I wouldn't be surprised if we see some of those things, but pure speculation. And I that's yeah. that's what I'm looking forward to finding out. Yeah, I would imagine. I think. I think if we're going to see more major Connie changes, I think it'll be with the um, with the Taurus release if they do it. You know, they they've sort of been very coy about whether they're touching the Connie, but who knows? They also, right. you know, it's scary because people love it or they hate it. So, but it's versatile. No, it is. Yeah. 
Well, and especially once you have this um, ability to dock and undock um, the Merlin and the and the um, what's the what's the name of the other one? The Archimedes. Archimedes, yeah. Well, you know, and it's it solves a lot of org problems. I'll talk about that later. But you know, I found as I was trying to lay out some of the ideas for our fleets and things like that, just doing some brainstorming around it, I found that a ship like the um, Constellations or the Andromedas become very useful because you don't have to have a separate fighter that provides nothing for the org, you know, other than cover. Um, But if you use a snub fighter instead, now you do get a fighter coverage of limited types, but you could do it with just a four man crew, not a five man crew or four men and a fighter. Yeah. Um, So even just for scouting. Exactly. Exactly. Just to get away, just to give you some distance. Yeah. Yeah. So just some interesting Um, things. I would also say um, the thing that I'm interested about, well, I guess it's more of a commentary on something that we learned this past week is the shield. um, And this is something that we've actually talked about on the show. So it's good that we learned this this week as we were thinking about it. But the the sign distance field tech, even though they're still going through shield improvements, it will be blocking the... um, shield holes it'll be stopping the shield holes in this patch so that's exciting yep that's what i was thinking of that's i couldn't think of the name of it sign distance yep ah no problem yeah and we forgot carts for moving things yeah i think they included that in the object push and pull yeah essentially and and that's sort of also probably with the mission changes i'm sure there's some variation there yep um so it was a decent week um with that stuff although the patch report was pretty basic and they usually do that but it's fine um star citizen live was interesting i didn't actually get to watch the whole thing but i will actually find time at some point um the lore team was on and it was one of the like game dev ones but it was less game dev and more q a it was essentially them discussing the gangs of pyro and i love lore so like this kind of stuff geeks me out but they took yeah, and they, t- they talked about the lore of the different factions and the fact that the lore has been moving pretty quickly along with the other branches, especially, I'm sure, because the lore, they've had so much time to write. And many of the team has been on board since close to the beginning. Yeah. Um, Five and six years in a couple cases. Yeah, exactly. Now, they uh, first started talking about sort of what the status is of pyro compared to the initial sort of like design specs or the initial sort of rundown. Um, as you can probably imagine, it has a ton of piracy and that's uh, due to the fact that it's a lawless system as well as the fact that it's really close to Stanton, which is rich with resources. Right. Um, that being said, people still travel through pyro because it's seen as a shortcut to many of the different systems out there. To junction um, point, yep. Exactly. And then they, they did say that there are a number of factions, and they talked about them a little bit. Xenothreat, who we already know, is all about sort of liberating Stanton and their sort of anti-relationships um, with you know other alien life forms. Um, the Overlords, where we've seen a lot of the armor being part of the um, subscriber flare, they're vigilantes who will kill for c- control over the system. They're not necessarily default bad, but um, 
you know, they're sort of like shoot first and ask questions later. So that you still could easily cross their path and end up, you know, space dust. Um, they also have interesting names within their leadership. Um, and uh, they said that the rep system with overlords, it'd probably be hard to gain their trust based on how they sort of work. They don't have any central hub within the system. They do exploit things like um, theft, drug trade, etc. Um, and they, the chat was able to vote on who the um, leader was. Who the leader was. And I think it was what Stinger was the outcome. It was Stinger. Yeah. He looks all yellow, kind of like Bumblebee. Um, yep. The other factions that they mentioned were Dark Side Rovers and Fire Rats. And then they worked with sort of chat to flesh out the Fire Rats a little bit. They did say they're shipjackers who are trying to take control of Pyro from Xenothreat. They're anti-slavery. They don't negotiate. And they are based near Pyro 3. The colors that they use are red and orange. And then chat was also able to vote on what belief system they use. So they ended up with um, purification of the flame. Um, so that'll be kind of seen in their uh, ship um, damage a lot because there'll be solar flare um, damage on their ships and things like that. Right. Um, so those are the those are the other factions. They did say that there are other groups, but they didn't want to ruin the surprise, I guess. Correct. And then they did talk about the main port being ruin station, which is sort of like a, I think it sounds like a big grim hex kind of place. And it used to be a mining colony that's abandoned. Right. But I also, you know, I was looking, they were talking about the armor. That's obviously a knockoff of what's been mm. reported being used by the groups. I would like to certainly see a generic set of armor that you can mix and match and make your own, you know, your own kind of match, right? Like yeah. maybe you get, you know, zebra striped chest plate with, uh, you know, jet black arms and a, you know, a, a yellow helmet or something, you know, I don't know, just, you know, if you're going to sell a bunch to the world, you don't want a bunch of the yeah. stinger armor or prime. I mean, yeah. So. Exactly. I, I hear you. Well, and I, you know, it, it's amazing because I, to this day, I'll be like, where did that art armor come from? And I'm like, is this new or has this been around? Cause you'll see armor sets that I've never seen before. And I'm like, I'm a, I'm a backer. So it's not like I don't get the subscription, but it's like, I've never seen that combo before. I noticed it with one of, um, uh, morphologist's videos. Right. He wears like this really interesting kind of like white and mint, mint green combo that I think looks cool. And I have never seen it. Um, White and mint green. Yeah. So, well, you, you know, you know me, a I'm a fashionista. Outfits. I'm a fashionista. <laughs> I'm constantly changing my armor. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm basic with my, well, not basic. I, I like my fancy garb, but I always wear the venture Voyager subscriber armor. I like that red and gold. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um yeah. So, uh, this week, there won't be an Inside Star Citizen. They're on hiatus for three weeks, but we will have a Star Citizen Live, and it'll actually be – actually, it's not a Star Citizen Live at all. It's a Calling All Devs episode, and it'll be about repair and refueling. So that should be really interesting. That should be. Um, that should really exciting. be interesting. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, 
somewhat of a fan of the of the Starfare. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always thought, you know, that the Starfarer doesn't really get recognized for what it's capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I was working on our, you know, potential combinations of ships and things for the org, not to, not to make it sound to everyone like out there, like we don't have a lot of ships. We have far more capital ships than we have people. So <laughs> that we can fill with people. Um, so it's really a matter of what, what do we want to fly as an org? And that's some of the drills I've been working for. And the Starfare is one of those that really, if it has the fueling capability and has the ability to refine fuel and it has the ability to carry cargo, um, it, it's a very versatile ship and it carries yeah. up to six people at a time, you know, so, you know, that could be three rocks and a bunch of fuel You could, and you, then you could have three engineers that go mine and the pilot, the co-pilot, the security guy. I mean, it, it really, and a science or a science guy, right? Um, yeah. So it becomes, it actually is a very good ship, even though it may not have the most popular design. It's very capable. Um, and it's a relatively low cost compared to something like a Carrick or, a, you know, a Hammerhead. Well, maybe not a Hammerhead, but something of larger, 890 Jump or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's a relatively inexpensive ship. I mean, the Carrick We're, is the second most expensive ship in the game. Yeah. And it's very capable. Um, it has the same number of people on it. So, um, you know, it's just an interesting it's just an interesting ship. So I hope they do get some kind of transportation of fuel or something Yeah, um, for the Starfire. I feel like it's going to be interesting because <clears throat> the there are going to be ships that don't need refueling. Like, like my baby's not going to need as much refueling as, as some of the others, I think. But you have a flotilla of ships. You're going to need a hand, not just one starfarer in, in the fleet going out to some locale. You're going to need, I would imagine a couple, at least a few, you know, I guess it also depends on, I still don't quite know. And, and correct me if you do, because I think you're more in tune with the starfarer in general. Um, does it, have a really efficient fuel scoop so that it doesn't need its own fuel. I I don't know, but I I do know it has a dedicated fuel scoop, right? That's the one in the yeah. front. You can put a missile in there, but um that is that's it on does the Gemini, have the, right? Yes. Uh the fuel scoop, the missiles are on the Gemini, the fuel scoop yeah. is on the on the other one, the Starfarer. But yeah. um yeah, and and you know, I just was I was just playing with, you know, an org, let's say a number of people show up for an event. I was kind of figuring around, you know, 15 people. And for, for us right now, you know, I said, you know, let's say 50% of the, of the normal players can show up for an event. Well, that's five logistics guys, five engineers, six scientists, two security guys for the ground and potentially two fighter pilots and a media guy. If we're going to do media, um, that's a lot of positions. And if you want them all to play in the roles that they want to be in, you need a variety of ships. But yeah, you, you don't want to all take out Carrick's and only have one guy in each ship. It, it just doesn't it's Yeah, no it's not going to be as functional. Right. So you really get it. You start looking at these second tier ships and you go, wow. You know, if you take a Cutlass Red and a Starfarer, now you're really kind of looking at almost the same capability as a cut as a in many ways as a cargo carrying Carrick, 
Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't have the research capability, but huh. And uh, things like a uh, constellation, they do bring a fighter with them. So you don't need to have two fighters that need to be refueled. Yeah. Um, so there are some balances that just playing through the numbers kind of, it just gives you a different view of it. Right. Yeah. Um, so, well, even, even like if you think about it, um, like I, I was just thinking about this because the the med bay of a Carrick's kind of it's expansive. Um, it's really good, pretty functional. Yeah. So a Carrick could be a weird combo between, um, like search and rescue, and like recovery missions, recovering resources, and then finding things that you're going to nom up with, like you know the uh reclaimer oh somebody just i think just crashed i don't know if they crashed into my ship or not are you I think they may have they were i know they were arca the groups on the group i'm with is on selling right now i'm just i was checking yeah. in and- i was landing at po so that i can get the oh. waypoint set there well i'm not there um, anymore because my system obviously crashed while i was sitting here <laughs> oh of course yeah. well um yeah, so like combos like that that you're not thinking of where right. sort of because it has the storage in case like say there's a Starfarer wreck from even like maybe not an org member, but it, maybe it's a mission. You have the space to, to reclaim all of the stuff. You have the, the medical bay to potentially help stabilize people. Yep. Um, and then you have the scanners to actually identify where the phenomena is. So then you point to, hey, here's a reclaimer that's going to do everything else. But you use, you could use the character to actually store everything else. I, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. Well, <laughs> no, but that's exactly what I've been doing for a couple of days is going through and thinking of different, you know, looking at some assumptions. You know, I pulled out some assumptions and wrote them down. I'm an IT consultant. I mean, that's what we do. And uh, kind of started looking at it and getting Techno's vision of the world and just started brainstorming and it, you know, even like a mole, you know, the mole is not that good right now, but, you know, they're talking a lot about it in the, uh, in the magazine, uh, what is it? Star Citizen magazine, uh, jump mm-hmm. point. And, yeah. um, you know, right now, you know, five rocks is, or three rocks are definitely better than a mole. But if you start adding these components onto a mole, um, each laser now can bring multiple capabilities to yeah. work on one rock. Um, now the it may change. The mole may be a great way to, to mine. All right. Depending yeah. on what you find, you have a laser that can support and two that are made to, you know, grind through things. Um, it also carries more cargo. So it's, it's interesting. It's very interesting. A hundred percent. Well, and, and the other thing too, is we don't know. I know I've probably said this like six times since, since, uh, this year, or at least since the new roadmap's been up, but we don't know if the new asteroids have any changes to the quantities of, of resources in them. And I wouldn't be shocked if they do, because those subcomponents then really makes a mole extremely versatile. Yes. Um, and you know, it's cause they have a whole section on it, the new mining components in the magazine. And it was pretty mm-hmm. interesting to read. 
I also went back and in conjunction with that, I reviewed the original design documentation around mining. Mm-hmm. And I started looking at cargo um, also. And you can see them building out the components that they wrote down in the design documents. It's it's coming. You know, if you go back there and refresh your, you know, refresh your brain a little bit on it, it's mm. amazing how well they're tracking against their design documents. Um, yeah. So it's just interesting. Yeah. I think I dragged no, this off I, topic. I, no, that's fine. Hey, listen, it's it's interesting stuff. And because there's only two of us this week, we can breeze a little bit and um we don't actually have that many questions. So oh, okay. Um, well, I brought one. Bloody Badger oh, good. gave me one, so I have one also. So. Oh, Badger gave you one last minute? <laughs> yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Oh, great. Um, well, um, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so then there was another another thing that happened during the past week that I think is really interesting, and this will probably beef up sometime, I think, is um, the whole conversation around the PVP banning that happened. And it wasn't oh, yeah. so... So oh, yeah. uh, to refresh anyone's memory, and this is just my recollection, re- recollection of the scenario, <clears throat> I think it was two people were suspended for three months from the game for excessive um, PvP, and they got very generic notifications about it. And then a handful of other people, I think it was four or five, maybe six, uh, got warnings. And at first, the community was like, a little up in arms, very reactionary, understandably, because they didn't quite know the meaning. But at at the end of the day, what it ended up being was people were overly going after a particular player or particular players um, repeatedly in a way that was ruining their game experience intentionally. Um, and word on the street is that they were um, stream sniping um, somebody who was trying to record their stream and, um, then, and that was sort of what happened, but it's led people to ask questions about, you know, is this the right way to police, you know, what could be construed as potentially griefing when the game is supposed to be very rich with PVP. So, you know, I put it out to you first, Seaguard. What do you think about this whole scenario? What's, what are your thoughts? How do you feel? Well, I, you know, having been an E player before, um, you know, notoriously rough game. It, it it's a it's a tough one. It's real tough on Sig to do this because it is about you know player satisfaction, um, and there's two sides to every coin. Um, it's very hard to police it. So for a first attempt, I think it was a reasonable approach. Um, I suspect they had far more detail on it than we do. Mm. Um, and, um, especially since they did take some action, right. But I think setting the the precedence of at least giving you a warning, which is fairly standard in the industry nowadays for the, for the next set of group. Um, I think that's a good approach. Um, but you know, it does get murky last night. We ran into two ships that came in, um, in a saber, I think it was two sabers initially, but they were very stealthed out. They came into Everest last night when we were on the server and said, Hey, if you want to leave Everest without getting shot up or you want to land, they got to pay us 30,000 credits. Right. There's a bunch of people at the station. So 
you know, they shot up Chekhov and then it was like, okay, let's go play. So we put all of our fighters out there and sparred with these guys. Someone had reported them. Um, but on the other hand, every time we were engaged with them and we shot them down, which I think was only like twice, they shot a bunch of us down, um, you know, they they gave us a good job and didn't really bother us unless we wanted to come out and go after them. So, you know, it's kind of a gray area there, right? But but everyone knows that it can be taken to another level. And we yeah. and I and I know I saw cases where it got way out of control in Eve where they had, you know, a twelve year old begging for his ships on YouTube because that's what they required him to do was get on his knees and beg. Um they were permanently banned from from that game. So that's the fear, right? Um, yeah. So good and for I them for taking a stance and for braving it, right? Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And I I think it's just it's a, it, we're in a weird spot where PvP exists, but it's really emergent, you know. And, and some of the things that I've heard as solutions that I think are great are like bring back something like Jumptown where – it gives people a reason to PVP, but you can keep it away from the mass population. Because the worst thing is what you don't want is someone who's brand new to the game. They don't even have 30,000 credits yet. They can't right. even leave. Right. right. So now you're forcing them to jump servers so that they can have a good game. And it's like, come on, guys. Yeah. You know, but, you know, I'm hoping at some point... You know, they'll make, if the AI is better, if the guns are better at stations, all those things and the law system's better, then maybe that can be a little bit more, you could do that, but the game will punish you for it accordingly. Right. Like it would if you were in the UEE. Um, but like, and I, what's that? I was going to say, I also think there needs to be an alternate set of sites you know, within yeah. a within within a solar system where, you know, the gray market, you know, thrives, right? The real pirates, you know, um, real pirates had, you know, uh, you know, Bar uh, Bermuda, uh, not Bar uh, Barbados, and they had uh, Nassau. I think were two of their main bases. But mm. you know, the guys who got rich were the ones who said, "I'm not just going to stay in Nassau. I'm actually going to take on some ships." Right, so you could be an, an unlawful guy in the game, but not be involved in piracy. You just deal with black market goods. Well, you can't do that on a planet like Arcorp. Yeah, you need you need a something like a Grim Hex. So one Grim Hex is probably not going to be enough in Stanton. It's yeah. probably going to have to be more. Um, and then knowing where to find them—that's a whole other matter, right? Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think there's. There are some opportunities there. So maybe the Griefers will fight other pirates as much as hunt good people. Uh, yeah. So I also think what we'll see is like Pyro will help enable some more, you know, gameplay like that. Um, and some of the other things will do that. It's just a, we're in this little intermediary step where it's kind of tough. And the last thing you want is to discourage someone who might potentially love this game. Um, but at the same time, you know, you want you want to have the availability of someone being able yeah. to PVP. So 
you know, I, that's why I think that whole jump town scenario or places that will create PVP um, would be good. Uh, I also, I don't know. I think it speaks to the future of, I would like, and I think this is probably a very salty mic sounding thing to say. And I, you know, <laughs> that he and I agree and disagree on plenty of things as if we talk to each other. Um, I think the game needs to be built in a way that it supports for the most part, punishing people with a game system versus as much as possible, not being able to, or not having to ban people or, you know, do things like that. Now you're still going to get griefers who are just, for some reason, they just love the pad ramming and they can't help themselves. And that should be, that should be punished. Like let people get off the platform. But, um, you know, beyond things like that, you know, I do think the game should find a way to, to balance the risk and reward. And it sounds like, sounds like that's going to be the case. It's just not there yet. You know, we have desync, the, um, turrets don't exactly, um, cause much duress at stations right now for anyone who's trying to be unlawful, you know, and, and AI isn't exactly killing you easily. You know, one of the things I always thought was, um, I haven't seen it implemented, but you know, it's something that happens in real life is when, when things start to get troubling on the oceans, the Navy starts convoying ships, Mm -hmm. right? So even if you had regular established routes that, you know, traveled once every three hours between our core, our core and let's say Hurston, you could safely travel in a convoy knowing that you're never going to attack, right? If you want to make a little bit more money and go on your own, get it there a little earlier, well, then you could take a risk. Um, mm. That way, anyone who wants to just travel and travel like a, you know, in a in a rough area, let's say near Pyro or something, they would do it as part of a convoy. Uh, yeah. Whereas the guys who want to be a little more daring would say, eh, I'm going to do this and run on my own with a beefed up ship or a small group of ships. Um, and I think that would be a great way to do it. Not just have police, but actually have convoys of ships. Even if the convoy is full of NPC ships, you know, you're one of 10 whole seas out there, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, you know, if they can't tell the difference between which one's which, you got one in 10 chance of probably not getting attacked. Yeah. So. Well, and I, I think too, the other thing is it's like, I think if you give people who want to be pirates ways to be pirates, then at least they won't do things that are super annoying, like take stations hostage. Agreed. And then it's risk reward. You want to make money hauling, but you want to protect your investment get an escort. And then once the AI is polished enough and there's no desync, then yeah, there's going to be a lot of heat around certain areas. And then the UEE Navy is going to show up or Hurston security or whoever it might be. And whoever is trying to commit piracy there is going to have a hard time, but that's, you know, we've probably got more than a year before we see that level of sophistication in the game. Absolutely. So right now I think, that's why I think their solution right now is adequate. Yeah. You know, I, I it's got to be, at this point in the game, it has to be pretty severe to permanently ban someone. Well, and if it's stream sniping, like, come on, just don't, 
stream snipe. Right. You know, find someone on your own accord. I get it. They they want to kind of like they got to test the waters. They got to get people's pseudo famous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean that'll be interesting. I'm sure that'll be an evolving issue. Um. So we did get a roadmap roundup last week, and there's only one change. The Tumbrel uh, Cyclone MT was marked as in-game ready. Um, Good. By the way, I was corrected. The MT, I, I misspoke last week. Um, I said that there's a missile on each side. There's two missiles on each side. So for anyone who doesn't know, there's four missiles and a can and a gun. What's Is it only two on the other one, or is it you know, the, you know, the uh, missile vehicle? Which I never understood. Is it? It's a size difference too, right? The I other don't ones. Know. I don't know if it's a um, gun with two size one or four size ones, or and the other one has four size twos with no guns. I I don't know. Can I just tell you? I just heard a massive explosion at Port Alasar. It sounded like it sounded like a um, Idris explosion. Really? Yeah. It has to be one of our guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can tell you what it is right now. It is a wait. What is it? Can't tell based on the parts that I'm seeing. It looks like a looks like a constellation. Yeah, I think it was a a Connie. The no, ground so vehicles nosy. are um, the ground vehicles are the tumbrel. That's right. What's that say there? I was looking for the ground vehicles. Um, oh, and just while thinking, if someone mentioned the Ranger the other day, that would that would be neat to see come out. I don't know when that's coming, but I'm sure that'll be closer to the rework of the ground vehicles because you know the the ones that we have don't exactly perform well. I can only imagine the two wheeled variant of something being not so good. Yeah, let me see the paint. Okay, so I am looking at the differences between the cyclone aa and the cyclone mt um surface to air missiles oh interesting because it doesn't say that on the cyclone mt it just it doesn't say any description but surface to oh, air it's I a had, little of both it can go surface or air but the surface to surface i think it's harder to lock so they said it might be dumb, more dumb locking than anything and the uh Oh, that's an interesting one. The AA also has a max crew of two. That's right, because you have a gunner in the in the MT. But that's three there. Oh yeah, the AA and is. Yep. Yeah, just the um, pilot or co-pilot, right? Looks like the uh, AA has two task force EM and two marksman IR, which are size doesn't say the size, just says two of each, and then. On the other one, it's two times two. So two launchers, two missiles, size two each. Mm-hmm. So I think Task Force and New Marksman are size ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Oh, that's something interesting. I didn't notice that the uh, anti-aircraft one has an EMP on it. I didn't know that. It does? Oh, yeah, it does. That's actually that's actually pretty interesting. I had not know I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, that'd be helpful to know. Oh yeah. That's gonna affect even things like an Ursa rover 
even things. And also like something coming down for a firefight, like you knock that out of the sky, it's crashing. Yeah. Yeah. At the speed that it might be like dive bombing you. That's right. Um, so I don't know about you. I haven't done anything for, you know, what did you do anything uh, in the name of, uh, you know, you know, I did the, the structures, the organizations, but I have the notes from, um, from bloody badger that he gave me and it was a science thing. Uh, Well then let's talk about both. It's time for science. So in this segment, we like to talk, Ooh, I turned it down way too fast. Anyway, in this segment, we like to talk about what we did in the name of science. So we'll talk about what bloody badger did. And then also, I think it's just cool to hear about some of the org stuff you were mentioning. Yeah. Uh, so this, uh, what, so it's bloody badger, his brother, Jim Jangles. Um, uh, I'm trying to, I, my spell or my writing is terrible. Um, Q U. Quad. Quad. Uh, and fish. Uh, thanks for all the fish. Went to Microtech and they were looking for berries and basically specifically they were looking for the golden madmon, which mm-hmm. is like a mushroom, I guess. Sunset berries and um, the heart of the woods. Um, actually, I think that's actually the mushroom, the golden mud. Yeah, mud the, the heart of the woods is the mushroom. Yep. Yeah. So, and what they did was they actually found um, all three plus one additional in a single type of spot. And the places where they found them were where you had patchy snow um, Mm -hmm. and rocks around it, not solid blankets of snow. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were able to get all four harvestables off of the trees in that area. Um, And for some reason, we double checked, but Bloody Badger is confident that he actually pulled the um, Patumba fruit and the sun and the um, golden Madmon, which kind of looks like a carrot with an orange ball on the end. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, short, it's fat, fat right? Yeah, and uh, he found those both on the same tree, uh, which oh, is wow. unusual. Which we we started talking about it. The Patumba is supposed to act, it look kind of looks like a tomato. It was supposed mm-hmm. to actually be on a bush, so we're not sure what that's about. But they did find four on one one set of plants. Um, the berries came in clumps, and the golden modmons also came in clumps. He said that the heart of the woods mushroom, typically they were finding two in the trunk of the of a tree stump, and or tree stump of a tree, and one at the base. Uh, but they're all harvestable, so you can go pick those. Um, and then they, the berry bushes, basically, what how you could find those was they they basically have a you know a plant on top, but their roots are almost completely well they're completely exposed out of the ground. They have like a clump of roots that are exposed. So mm-hmm. um, so it was just really good for them. They went out and did that, and today they were just out checking volcanoes for what type of ores. My, I had the Siri, I don't know, I think I mentioned it before, that I think that certain ores may be tied to geographical locations versus just scattered randomly. Yeah. So instead of, let's say, looking for um, laronite in a, over the whole planet, you go, 
oh, that's next to riverbeds. Let's go find a riverbed. Then we're more likely. That's how a, that's how a real ex, you know, exploration teams for oil companies and them work. They look at yeah, geographical exactly. features. So they were just going to test that out today on Selen. Uh, I crashed out of the game, but uh, they were in their Carrick. Uh, they had my Pisces, uh, one of the other Ursa, one of the guys are Ursas. So we'll know more about that next week. So that was the big science thing. Um, cool. And then, That's and great. Then, then you wanted me to talk a little bit about this uh, kind of this this thing I was working on. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just trying to basically trying to keep my brain occupied when I'm unemployed here. So <laughs> I want to keep my mind fresh. So I try to take things on. So I looked Based on our town hall that we had, we found that people want to see a couple things. They want to see us do events, reoccurring events during the week. Like, so you'll have like, you know, Taco Monday or Spaghetti Wednesday, whatever it's going to be, right? Fish Friday. But it'll be logistics or, or, you know, rock mining or whatever. So, Mm -hmm. and then they want to have our other events occur about twice a month. But they want the event to be continuing each weekend so that any group of guys and gals who gets on and just happen to pick up for that day may be able to go and take that mission or that event and execute it during just normal play, right? So these are kind of like smaller events, maybe one or two ships or something like that, right? Um, Oh, cool. Like tonight would have been a great one. If this say it was Exploration Monday or uh, Wednesday. It would be, okay, given one Carrick and Ursa rover and a Pisces, you know, fly to a nearby planet and research riverbeds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. All right. So everyone would kind of get an idea how to scan and it lets crews and them train each other and help each other and learn different roles and positions. Um, so that was, that was it. And the second part was, so I took that and I said, well, the, to do this, we need to have a realistic understanding of where we are. Um. And what we could reasonably do, right? Um, and typically, our events are actually pretty good. There, you know, fifteen or twenty people will be on. So I started with a number of about fifteen or less, and I thought, oh, for sure, we'll have eight ships out there. You know, eight ships easy. You know, all all, all carricks. Yeah, that doesn't work, <laughs> right? Because mm. uh, you know, based on some of the assumptions, I said, well. How many logistics the guys do? Basically, the second assumption I said was not only will it be 15 to 20 people, but it'll be less than 50% attendance in any one division. So logistics, it'll be one half of what is available will actually show up. It's not mandatory, so it's voluntary. And family things get in the way. Engineering the same way. I won't go into specific numbers, but science and media and intelligence. Uh, Well, intelligence is not really one of them, but media. You know, these things should be recorded for posterity and, and for, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Um, so when you start looking at that, uh, and then the next thing, since we want to practice like we will fight or play, I'm an ex-military guy, so, we, you know, you practice like you would fight, uh, one, one person per position, and each position gets a bunk. So if there are six bunks on a ship, that's the max you're going to put on that ship. Yeah, because that's what we would do with an exploration group. We would go out, hopefully for more than one night. All log out. All come back in. Continue the mission at another time. 
right? Yeah. <clears throat> so I kind of went through these and I started saying, you know, what are the things we know we should have in an org? Like, so we want some kind of fighter protection. We want some kind of protection, um, both ground security and some fighters. And we probably want some media, right? Or I'm mm-hmm. sorry, we want some media because there's people who want to just do media, right? That's that's what they want to play. Some people just want to do security. They don't want to do anything else, right? Or that's their secondary or their primary. Um, yeah. So I said, well, what are the mandatory ones? Well, we need a cutlass red. Unless we have a carrot because it has a hospital bed or a bed. Yeah. So, you know, and then you start when you lay out that and you start realizing, wow, the Cutlass Red needs two people. You need a pilot and a, and a science guy for the medic. Uh, a The media vehicle needs at least a pilot for the for the media guy. So that's. And they may gonna, actually need. They may need. Yeah. A pilot and, pilot and, and yeah, a media. Like, yeah. Right. And then the two fighters need, you know, fighter pilots. And you start realizing, wow, you've just used up, you know, right off the bat, two logistics guys, because we're generally the pilots. We transport things for everybody. Um, A science guy for the medic. So one person out of your expected number of science guys to do science stuff is tied up as a medic. Right. And you start laying these things out and you realize that, wow, I can probably only get, you know, a handful of miners actively mining. Yeah. Right. And then. That leads you to, well, if we're going to do rock mining and I can need to carry, let's say, five my five rocks, oh, well, we'll take, uh, you know, the, the caterpillar. Well, it doesn't work in a caterpillar because you can't tote them that way. Okay, we'll take the constellation. Well, you can only take two of that, so that doesn't work. The Starfarer can take three, and it has a crew of six. Now you're starting to talk. It becomes a, a pretty good vehicle, and it can carry yeah. cargo back. Um so these drills, just these are just practice. I mean, we haven't even run these by for any practical purposes. Uh, you know, we haven't done any discussion in the org about them. Well, and Very obviously, interesting balance. Yeah, well, and obviously things are so subject to change that our assumptions could be off well, for something. That's right. Exactly. Well, like, I think of the whole idea like even so. Let's go on the assumption that. And I, I know I use it, but it's just because I'm very familiar with the ship and it's my favorite gameplay style. Let's just go with the idea that we have a fully crewed Carrick. Right. Yeah, you probably want a medical officer, but you're going to need someone else who's trained in medicine too because what happens if the medical officer is injured? Yeah. And they can't well, heal themselves. Right. So let's, let's, let's look at the Carrick. So I have actually like I have an exploration group but I, I came up with two. Um, and around a Carrick, generally, um, I stayed to the rules where we have the pilot is going to be any any ship that's a large ship, not like a Cutlass Black. It's, mm-hmm. you know, generally a bigger cargo ship, you know, or a science vessel or something is going to have a pilot from logistics. Yep. But since it's, so vi- since it's a, a science vessel on a science expedition, the captain or the who is really the guy in charge is a science guy. So there's one scientist, right? And then we said in our org, we want to have at least a security guy in every ship because it is a expensive ship. And when you're on the ground, you're vulnerable and you need to be able to defend it. So the security guy helps you establish a defense within the ship um, and helps you operate your turrets and, you know, do all the fun things go along with security. Eventually it'll be access, right? Who has access? 
yeah. then you need then you need an engineer because you got to manage your power systems. So that leaves you two slots besides the captain being a science guy. It could be two scientists or it could be a media guy and a science guy. In a bigger fleet, it might be the media guy because that's where the big action is going to happen around the Carrick. Um, now, when you're thinking and using these numbers, right, you want to have everyone have an opportunity to play in their primary role. A Carrick is good for pretty much everybody, but a little bit better for, for science. Yeah. And Andromeda is almost as good in supporting everybody because an Andromeda brings a captain who's a science guy, a pilot, a logistics guy, a security guy, and an engineer. And the security guy can fly the snub fighter. Yeah. And that still leaves two guys for turrets and a pilot. Um, you could also take a ground crew out, right? You could actually take a captain, a security guy, and an engineer out in an Ursa rover. Right. Or or the captain and a security guy take them out and let them go do science things, right? It becomes a valuable yeah. ship in its own right. Um and then a and the Dur is very similar, but we don't really know what the Dur's role is gonna be. But well, it has four bunks. I feel like at that end at that <sighs> route, it's gonna be well then then it's gonna matter what the ship can do. Correct. Like it's it's distance, what scanning it has, what what it can support on the ship, and um, its value, right? Yeah. If if you lose a Carrick, that might take you know X number of hours. You lose a Dur, that might take five minutes to replace. Yeah. Right. Um, a Carrick is a major investment. A Dur is a pretty good investment, right? So all these things kind of balance. And until I played with it and kind of laid some rules out, it was like, well, just we'll just take all carrots, right? We'll take eight nine well, and, jumps, you know. <laughs> and being and being attacked by anything, right? Then you, you're subject to almost everybody has a different role, right? Because and this is why I like the carrot as an example, because there are what I would consider to be three stations in the bridge. There's the pilot seat, co-pilot seat, probably comms officer. Maybe even this. Right. Maybe the comms officer is the same person as the engineer, or maybe it's someone else. Or it could it could easily be one of the scientists. Right. And then you have the three up top. It's probably scientists, scientists, scientists. I feel like the three up top on top would be scientists, right? Right. Um. But. If you're being attacked, there's only going to be a pilot, and then you have four gunners, and then probably an engineer. Yes, yes. Right. And, so, and, and it's sort of like assigning which seat goes to which gun. Yeah. It, right. <laughs> things like that. You have these trade-offs, and. And just so that everyone understands, we're not saying this is for every time we take out a ship, right? We're saying this is for an event where we want to maximize the number of people playing in the way they want to play, right? Um, you know, everybody would love to be the captain of a Carrick with all the crew underneath them and, you know, not barking out orders, but letting people have fun and enjoying the scenery and checking out your ship. But, uh, but, not everybody wants to get on a science vessel. Not everybody wants to be the scientist. Some guys want to be the security guy. Some guys do want to, you know, 
escort the Ursa rover, you know, when it's bringing back valuable cargo and protect the captain. You know, right? there's all sorts of people who want to play. And it, it really, it, it gets interesting. And we have more than enough ships to do pretty much anything we want. <laughs> Our real problem is the right combinations of people. Um, and since, you know, we don't really dictate what people have to do, um, you know, they can choose any of the roles and will adapt to so our fleet can adapt over time. Um, you know, it just gets interesting. And that's where I was saying like the Starfarer becomes a pretty good, pretty good, interesting ship, low cost, lots of positions on it, good turrets, mm. fuel, cargo. It's a versatile ship. It's really a good ship in that regard. Terrible to wander around it. I mean, I think I was lost for 20 minutes and I own it. So you yeah, know, it's, it's rough. It, I still get lost in the Starfarer. Yeah. Uh, but it does have, Chekhov was happy. He had the Jeffrey tubes. He was crawling down through the little tubes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then we were out on the, uh, I took him out on the stern on the catwalk uh, during Quantum. That was cool. It, the little elevators to go upstairs and yeah. how to secure those. Um, if it had a if it had a host or a medical bed, it would be a fantastic ship. Uh, oh yeah, it would be. But th- then you know, like it doesn't. It, it has, probably needs to just be accompanied with a med bed. Yeah, but not every ship should have one, right? But uh, yeah, a medic might be the only thing you have on a ship like that. First yeah, you're going to stabilize someone. Yeah. They'll survive. So that's kind of what I was working on. And I, so two of the ones I did for exploration. Um, so I did uh, two Carricks, two Andromedas, and a Cutlass Black with a rock in it. Because I had a pilot for logistics left over and, a mine, and an engineer. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, the Carrick's got a lot of cargo. But what this org doesn't have when it goes out in that formation is the ability to mine other than by hand. So the rock gave us that little bit more experience or a little more capability in relatively inexpensive ship. And it lets us take two more people. And if you don't have all these positions, you just roll back the ships and maybe put in a character instead of two Andromedas. You just kind of shuffle the deck. The other one was a character with with, uh, four Andromedas. And we only had one empty seat based on the same thing. Yeah. So it'd be so interesting to see like once scanning changes get more fleshed out and exploration oh, yeah. mechanics get fleshed out, how that might impact the way we design these types of excursions. Absolutely. And um and you talked a little bit about comms. I really was thinking through uh comms, talked a little bit with Snorkel about it because he had some ideas. And you know, you really you do need a comms officer because when you're getting up into a group of 20 people on Discord. If you're not working on separate channels, then you are talking all over each other, Mm -hmm. especially if anyone's dogfighting. It's just, it's chaos. So the comms officer has to, you know, I I can definitely see us going to the internal ships channels and operating as ships within a formation, but the comms officer monitoring the discord channel for the commander, right? Or, Or building a separate command channel within the game. I'm, I'm sure com- they're going to have complex comms in the game. <clears throat> yeah, you can add a channel right now. So you can have a party channel, a uh, ship channel, and then you can add another one if you want. You can already do that. So you can yeah. have like a ship commanders, you know, or, you know, 
bridge bridge communications. Only guys on the bridge can talk to each other, right? Um, so it really did become apparent that that does have to be a duty that we have to consider. Yeah. So those are those are some of the things I was looking at. Right. I can even picture like when you don't have your helmet on on a ship that the comms officer or whoever's at a terminal can be like, attention, everyone, battle stations, you know, that's how it works in real life. Yeah, I was I was on a tank and we had intercoms, but, you know, it's 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 actually normal for like a tank company commander. So I had 12 tanks, basically three platoons. I'm sorry, 14 tanks three platoons of four tanks. And then I had a, an Exos vehicle and my vehicle were tanks. Plus I had, you know, a supply truck. I had two Humvees and usually like two fuel trucks, a five ton truck, you know, three maintenance vehicles. Um, mm. You have a lot of stuff, even in something that big. That's, you know, that's about 120 people. And mm. you were constantly, you had to listen to your battalion network because you're one of the commanders, right? You're a captain, one of five captains that are commanding troops for a colonel who's got an operations team that's talking to everybody. So you're listening and talking on that channel as the commander, but your radios are also listening to your platoon channels and your brigade channel, one above your boss. Yeah. And you may talk on your battalion one the most, but your XO is listening to the battalion one and relaying your orders to your platoons. Yeah. And so you're talking with the colonels and he's talking to your platoons until you can get into the fight and then you're you're fighting the fight. Um, and it is overwhelming until you get a couple years under your belt doing this stuff. Um, it's it's incredible. Uh, it's actually a skill you develop. It's not something you can just do. Um, yeah. So, and, you know, we always said that what's the most important thing on our tank is the radio. I can do a lot with a radio. I can call for fire, report the enemy, direct friendly troops onto the enemy, have call it medevacs. Can't do that with a gun. Yeah. No, <laughs> because, you can't. Right. So uh, you could run away, but you can't tell anybody else to run with you if you're running away or go forward if you're going to attack. Hopefully that's what we do, uh, but you get the idea. It's it's really a yeah. critical communication is a critical thing. Well, and it it begs. It's sort of like it doesn't beg the question, but one of the things that I find interesting, or sort of the concept that I feel like they're trying to foster with this game, that I think the biggest promise of, I'm afraid, will never come to fruition, is <clears throat> you kind of want to get a sense of. This is my crew. But there's so many things to do in a game, in the game, and so many different professions and so many different ways that you can lean in on it that are you ever really going to have the same crew every time? Maybe you might develop a crew for specific types of missions. Like maybe, maybe we'll have a regular, you know, once a month here's time for like crew things. Right. You know, where it's like that way you get that ongoing camaraderie team building, you get that second language, mm -hmm. you start to learn how to interpret each other and um, really not have to like overthink things and start to think on behalf of each other versus, you know, right. it being new every time and they get used to the ship. They know their station. They know, they know what it's like to be on that particular vessel. Right. But, you know, the other thing is that, like, 
with a crew, there's there's going to be some people, even me. I mean, if your name is going to be out there in lore and you want to, you know, you're going to have to put it there. You're going to have to do stuff that is, you know, notable, notable, right? And like, you know, our friend um, uh, who recently, you know, you know, ran ran with an MSR and had you and me in the gunner stations mm-hmm. and uh, Alton. And uh, I don't know why I was thinking, I couldn't think of his name, but you know, what a great night that was. And that was almost like legendary stuff, right? I mean, that yeah, was amazing. It was impressive. It was impressive. And, you know, it doesn't sound good if you call the ship like the Doom Pickle, right? Oh, you know, you know, you know, Captain, you know, Seaguard with the Doom Pickle, you know, evaded, you know, you know, Muscatel and, you know, Tequila and, uh, you know, Jack Daniels in a massive fight over blah, blah, blah. You kind of yeah. have to set yourself up for that to occur. And a lot of that is going to be tied back to reputation. Yeah. Right. It's funny. That also brings back a similar thought like, do we think long term our handles will be our names in game? Or especially because they'll have like Death of a Spaceman and it'll be like, you know, your next of kin. I picture you actually having the name Seaguard Olfson and then you having your son, you know, something else Olfson. Ah, see, that's, I thought ahead. I actually did some thinking about this. My my replacement's name, my second guy, if he's my, let's say he's my in-game fictional grandson or something, right? Or my, my son. He'd be Seagard Seagardson. Seagard Seagardson? Yeah, because son of Seagard. Oh. Right? So, oh. <laughs> like, I'm technically my, and even though, you know, I just watch too much Viking, that's why I picked that name. I'm about as Norwegian as not. I'm just, <laughs> I'm this fat, balding ex-French guy, or my mother's French, or my father's from Indiana. So I am not Norwegian in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I am round. But, uh, you know, but I thought, you know, Seagard, Seagard Olofsson. Um, I picked a totally different name for uh, an alternate character I have that I play on my own occasionally. You know, I think it's like Charles McDermott or something. Uh, yeah you know and i like to pick my ship names from real ships yeah you know you know nothing better than a cargo ship name like the you know charles w morgan or something like that right or um you know not the doom pickle right yeah (laughs) i'm i'm more in line with you but then i knew you would feel that way anyway because you walk in game yeah and you tend to walk i try I tried to sashay, so, so I just think they need to to speed up walking a little bit, so it's more kind of like New York pace, not yeah. you know. Well, you can't do that. Not you just use your uh, your mouse wheel. So oh, but, I do, I do, but I find the fastest quick walk that doesn't look like I'm starting to jog right. isn't as fast as I walk in real yeah. life. I I occasionally do run, just not when you're around. But uh, I do run up the stairs. That's the one place I go upstairs like two at a time. So. Well, I will. I will try and capture that challenge. Accepted. <laughs> oh yeah, I used to sit down <laughs> on the train occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was so excited to hear that on in the new patch, you can sit on the trains to New Babbage. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, I've been, they finally I've been, fixed it. 
Okay, because I've been able to sit on trains, but that was on Arcor, I think. Yeah, Arcor and, and Lorville, you can too. Yeah. yeah. So but now New Babbage. Yeah. So we do have a couple of questions, a few questions. Yes. Not a tiny amount, but not a huge amount. Um, first, uh, first set comes from Discord, and the first question comes from Talvo. He has two questions, actually. It's actually a okay. two, two-parter. Logistics guy. Logistics guy. Yeah, there you go. Um, he says, with the release of the reputation system, how can other organizations gain reputation to work with Reed? What do you think, Sikarn? Well, I think uh, don't think it's possible that they can get their reputation low enough to work with us. But no. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, I think it's I think it's very possible. I don't know that we've thought through that yet. I know that Techno has definitely um, he's had some experience with orcs, uh, you know, yeah. working together. Um, right now, we tend to lean more towards individuals that are dedicated to the org. Um, yeah. Just because we're, you know, I think there's been some bad experiences by some people Mm -hmm. where they've been doxxed and things like that. Um, Not in this game, but in previous other games. Yeah. But um, I think you and I would certainly be involved in the discussions with Techno. He always runs that stuff by us. Yeah, Uh, 100%. You, me, Nick, and a couple of others. Well, and I think, so just to pull it back a little bit too, because the second part, kind of gets a little deeper but i would also say if it's from a pure functionality standpoint i don't think the reputation system is there yet so yeah i think it's for npc factions but i do think i do think and um weigh in on this too seaguard but i do think they will utilize the same system for reputation management with actual orgs and actual players yeah and they actually said that didn't they there's you can have an org you can have a reputation for almost anything in the game a table yeah, a chair exactly an org so yeah and i i think that will be really great when they do that because then we can know like sort of who to trust who not to trust and then the second part kind of gets at what you were sort of hinting at which is what will reed's criteria be with whom they will work with and that's the part that i think as you mentioned is undecided i would say the biggest thing is Probably orgs that follow the same ethos. Agreed. And have a track record of that. Or yeah. that want to build a track record, right? They want to build it yeah. with us. And, uh, you know, there's ways to do that. So, And, and we'll, yeah. we may want to do the same thing, right? Yeah, exactly. We will probably not, like, you know, I would call it unreadish to work with a pirate orc. Um, uh, I would say correct. Yeah, so I will say that there is sort of an org, and I'm not, no offense, but I'm not going to endorse them tonight, that almost feels like they could be like a sister org or like a simpatico, let's let's do an expedition together, um, whom we've we've talked with their leader. He's he's actually in in our org as a, um, almost like an affiliate. Oh, very um, cool. Which is rare. So um, next questions. Uh, and there's a few, and he has a really interesting numbering system here, come from Nyar. Uh, and they're more reputation-based questions. New so Zealand, a, right? He's New Zealand, right? I think he's I 
don't recall. I think so, yeah. He's part of our coffee club. I think I talked to him just the other day. Yeah, see, I'm not in the coffee club because I can never play in the morning. <laughs> um, maybe someday on the weekends. Unemployment, I'm telling you, can't say enough about it. Well, you know, I, I can't do that. I live in a very expensive place. Um, and I, I have no savings. <laughs> um, but question A is, do you expect that Reed will eventually have reputation requirements to be able to join? What in-game reputation would be grounds for removal from the org? I think that's a great question. Uh, what do you think, Seagard? Well, I, you know, uh, you know, I think we've already started this at some of those standards. Not so much on reputation in the game, um, although that would that would certainly be a factor down the road. But I think that there's always a way to regain your reputation, right? And I think mm -hmm. if you're the if you're the right guy for the org, from a from a or right person for the org, um, the org would help you regain your reputation. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to someone who's just, you know, not a right mix for the personalities in the org. Right. Um, yeah. I think, I think that if you were in the org and you've always played, um, but you, you know, maybe you took one of the, you know, the more shadier, eh, well, by accident, you took a personal mission and ended up with a crime stat. I don't think anyone's going to kick you out of the org. That's that's not it. We'd help you back all the time. You go to Korea or something to <laughs> people's. Well, let's stats. face it. We all do that by accident. Oh, yeah. Chekhov was caught in my um, my uh, what should we call it? My EMP again. That's right. That's <laughs> He's right. not even here to defend himself. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think I think um, I think it's really about your personality, not so much your crime state. Mm. Um, so if I could tag on to that I would I would agree should. with you I would agree with you but I would say if if you're like sort of in a bad light with like Hurston Microtech right. <laughs> like the UEE and it's because you're not going to be that negative with all those different factions just from you know, one incurrence of something. Um, if that's the case, because I think crime stats going to move a little bit more towards reputation at this point, I feel like they're going to start to interweave them a little bit. Um, I feel as though that might actually maybe ruin your chances to be eligible. But I think what we would say is, Hey, listen, if you can get in good standing with these, these different factions that essentially say, Hey, you're a good citizen, then maybe we'll consider you, right. you know, and, and grounds for removal. I think it's just anytime you're doing anything egregious around like either PVPing or anything like that. Right. Um, next question. And he, it's a bunch of reputation questions. It's two question two, instead of question name, do you believe the reputation of the org will be an amalgamation of the reputation of its individual members or do you expect that the org rep will be tracked independently from the reputation of its individual members? It's a good question too. I think they actually said it will be amalgamation. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be an amalgamation. 
which is why we'll have to be very careful because we want people to be good citizens of the org. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, question three, but it's all eyes. Um, do you expect that we will eventually be able to rate other players and orgs and or orgs to affect their reputations? If so, on what metrics would you want to be able to rate them? I.e. skill, communication, trustworthiness, reliability, cooperation, attitude, sanity, etc. Um, I don't know because if maybe an individual that takes a contract, you could do some of those things, but it would be very hard. Um, but a, an org, yeah, I think there's a pass or fail to the to what you're asking them to do, right? And either they complete it or they don't, and I yeah. think those things will be easier to judge. Um, yeah. And just because a person takes a mission doesn't mean they're taking it as part of the, well, I guess it would be as part of the org, right? I bet you it'll impact their org as an amalgamation though. Yeah. Yeah. If that, if that's how it works. Well, in advance, I'd like to apologize for dragging our statistics down. (laughs) (laughs) I think I, I worry most about Nubkins and my biggest hope is that there's only org casualties when he crashes yeah but he's been he's a good pilot now i think it was just bad luck on that one or two instances i i think i've did, become hey, almost expect spectacular did you say one or two well i mean yeah i mean i think uh, uh, i mean how many times have i crashed the valkyrie now oh my goodness you crashed it three times one night absolutely that was funny it was dark <laughs> i mean this is why you need the actual um, altitude versus the altitude to sea level. <laughs> well, you know what I also figured out was that um, to to smooth out my landings, a lot of times I will use the vertical thrust and I will dial back the percentage. You know, it yes, lets me just I, drop in real smooth and I was forgetting to crank it back up. I do that too. I, I Sometimes if I'm coming in too hot, I space break and I um, strafe up at the same time. Right. So when I was coming in between the two. So when I was coming in, excuse me, I was chewing on a chunk of licorice. I was, you know, trying to maintain flying speed, 100 knots or so, just to see if the lift was good. But as soon as I went into vertical or vertical takeoff, VTOL, VTOL, um, I only had 30% of my thrust. So I start settling really fast when I get below 100. Mm. And that's that was part of the problem. The other part was I just couldn't see the ground. The lights yeah. were terrible, terrible. They need they need down lights on ships like that yeah. that are underneath the ship. Yeah. Not just in front. The Carrick actually has pretty good um it's kind of on a, a downward angle which helps. It's more like a spotlight. Yeah. And but the they Aurora might just down facing lights. My favorite, you know, the Aurora has great mm. front view because you can look down like between your legs like you can in the yeah, Hornet. Yeah, exactly. Or in the, not the Hornet, what's the, uh, what's the one that's for bounty hawk? hunting? Hawk. The Hawk is the same mm-hmm. way. But I had actually, you know, a while back, I'd actually done done a bunch of approaches during the day onto the pads that are on planets and tried mm-hmm. to, you know, land like on the rear skids and slide across 
the landing pad. And I was able to do that pretty well. So that's why I thought the other day I'd be like, yeah, it's been probably a month now. I thought, well, I'll be great in this Valkyrie. Nope, Matt put us about six feet underground three times in a row. Kaboom. So, yeah. <laughs> but technically, when I crashed on the objective and then got shot up and blew up. <laughs> so. One time, one time I think a few of us made it out alive <laughs> um, because we jumped before you hit the ground. That's correct. And you were like a thousand <laughs> meters away. Yeah, that's. I was like, can you by the time you get back? (laughs) I think I might succumb to the to the weather. That was that was terrible. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I think to answer the question too, I think yes that we will be able to rate other players. It'll be similar to to the contract system right now. Um, You know, I think it'll be more in depth than it is right now. It's a little basic, Um, but I think that'll be the case and. in terms of the ability to rate them, I think it's really like, I, I think that's probably too many factors. Maybe something like trustworthiness and reliability, communication, not so much. I, I mean, sure, like skill, trustworthiness, trustworthiness, reliability. I think those are some good ones. Right. Um, we'll see how they how they handle that. And then his last question, triangle and or delta, whatever you prefer. Um, would you like to be able to use hacking to provide a temporary boost or suppression to reputation uh, so as to allow access to areas or missions otherwise forbidden? Verboten. Uh, what do you think? I, I think it's definitely going to be allowed. Um, mm-hmm. I And I think that there's going to be, you know, you're going to be able to go after that. You're going to be able to kind of cheat, use a hack, get in and make yourself eligible to win a bigger contract where you may be out of your league. Yep. Pull it off. Great success. You know, great, 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 great success, success from risk, from risk, uh, or great reward from, from great risk. But uh, yeah. if you fail, oh, well, now you're known as a hacker and you're terrible. <laughs> so, I think absolutely yeah, exactly. that's going to be the case. <clears throat> exactly. Um, I I agree. I think they'll be hacking. We know that's going to be a system in game uh, that can do a few things. We don't. I, I don't know if it'll be able to be used for player oriented or org oriented rep, like you know actual characters. But I'm sure you'll have to fake, you know, being certain types of people, and in that instance, you might have to fake your rep too. Or fake your person, like who you are, right? So it might just be more identity theft or like, you know, having a false identity. So for pirates, I could definitely see where that's the case. And plus, and RSI has that skin that's supposed to like, you know, allow you to kind of change your license plate, you know, electronically. Mm -hmm. So you're no longer the Constellation, you know, you know, um, Thermopylae. You're now the Constellation... Barbados out of, you know, Antilles or whatever, right? You can kind of escape and and become a mystery ship. Well, I think the pirates would want to make their ships appear to be legitimate and their crews to be legitimate to take legitimate work, either to sabotage it and take the prizes or to actually um, get back and earn some normal money. <clears throat> maybe even land on a planet under the cover of, uh, under the guise of 
being a good crew and ship. Um, yeah. Right. Oh, 100%. Uh, and this actually ties in very good with the member I mentioned. There was one from Bloody Badger. Are you? Yes. Do you have any others? We do, but it's email. So let's let's do Bloody first. Okay. So so Bloody Badger had the question about um, the events. So it, it's a question of how do we how do we think the events like we just had with the pirate gang attacking Stanton. Um, how do we think that is going to play into the mission queuing system when it's enabled? Um, you know, are people just going to be able to draw missions, um, the new missions from the queuing cycle? And will those missions also be eligible to NPCs? Or will they just be outside of that structure and, you know, you just go play like in a, a, like a quest? I mean... Does that make kind of clear, clear as mud? Um, let me try and answer it with a slight rephrase. Okay. And then you can tell me if you think I have the right thought process. So I would imagine the way that we accept missions right now, as in like service beacons, is going to change a little bit. And I say that because there's still these places, or at least there was, if I'm I, I'm trying to picture where it is now, but oh yeah, there's one on Arc Corp where there's that hall where you can go get jobs. Yeah. Right. Um, they don't have any right now, but I would imagine. Did you mean the like, un- Did you mean the unemployment office? <laughs> so. The job well, yeah, it's called job, the job well. Job well, that's it. Oh, okay, now I know. What you're yeah. I thought you meant real yeah, life. So, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so the job well, I feel like that's where we're gonna like send potential contracts, and it'll be less like just popping up and being more of a hey, seeking someone for you know um, escort, seeking someone for logistics or whatever the case may be, because I think first of all, the just in time version of it, it's just not working. And of course not because there's not enough actual um, players on a server for it to make sense. Right. But it's also doesn't stay in any place. Um, so I feel as though that that's got to change because it needs to, it needs to, you know, be dynamic but at the same time, still be accessible after the one flash of someone, so-and-so needs rescuing. Right. So whether it's at the job, well, um, or if it's in the Moby app, I'm sure that there will be a change to that. Um, I think access to certain types of jobs will require certain types of rep. So must be have rep. You might, I think you might be able to define this either must have X amount of rep in an, with you, with my org must have X amount of rep with UEE or like, you know, must ha- have, you know, zero crime stat or zero marks on your record or something like that. Right. And must have completed X number. It'll be like an Uber, you know, it's like, what's your Uber rating? I feel like that's going to be the same thing. Gotcha. Um, so I guess like, will that impact what you see mission wise? Yes. So was that, is that what you were thinking the question is? Yeah, I think that is. And I, for me, it was kind of tough because I was actually thinking back to the discussion that, um, I cannot think of his name, the demonstration he did around the the Quanta economic. 
Tony Z's you know, quanta economic model. And initially I thought, well, you know, an event could be could be a standalone thing that's separate from the missions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be at it. Um, uh, you know, it could be either way. But um, then I thought about it a little bit more and said that they're going to want everybody to be able to enjoy that content. So no matter what the event is, everyone's going to be able to access it at at any at any level of of reputation, which means it will not probably go into the um, into the queue. It'll be more like um, something you choose to do, and you know you're you just like they did at this time. They said you know we have a call to arms basically and meet yeah. at this point. Uh, and then you go down that path. Um, so well, I thought uh, I thought that that might be the case. And yeah, do you want to have this in every solar system? That's a lot harder. So I would think that some of these are going to be done system by system. Maybe they rotate and the names change a little bit, but you know, you wouldn't have this. You wouldn't have pirates automatically attack. You know. 100 systems right <laughs> it's a pretty big pirate band yeah. uh, right so well i think there's a couple things right so like one um i would say there's a couple things uh i just said that i'm repeating myself the first thing is there's dynamic missions and there's dynamic events so dynamic missions are sort of spontaneous. They're system systematic. Too much piracy is happening in this area, whether it's PvP or PvE. So now we're going to start asking people who take on combat missions to go fight those. Or we're going to start beefing up escorts. Or we're going to start beefing up, and we're also going to start beefing up UEE presence. And, and that and stuff. The, and the money is going to go out for those missions. A hundred percent. And. So those things, yeah, they'll be based on your rep. They'll be based on your relationship with factions. But I would say if you relook at Xenothreat, they could have already started to change this if Pyro were already open. Because if you're a pirate, you might be building um, you know, your uh, rep with Xenothreat. And so if you have high Xenothreat rep, you might get counter missions related to the dynamic event to support Xeno threat. Um, so I see, I see that changing in the sense that everyone might be able to participate, but you might not be able to participate in portions of it. Right. So like Xeno threat might be, Hey, we destroyed this car, these cargo vessels now go recover the cargo for us before they can take it for the UEE to use the example of the mission that we had in the dynamic mission or dynamic right event right um and then or attack those people recovering so i can see it being multi-layered and sort of based on your rep but because it, w- it wouldn't make sense if you have high rep with xenothreat down the road to fight xenothreat um so i right. think that's and i think that's what they're going to start to layer in with these dynamic events and dynamic missions i got you and the, on the last one you could actually take missions with a crime stat you could be on the other side. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, we didn't do that because we're lawful, but uh, you could have done that if you were a pirate. Yeah. Uh, so I, th- I think, uh, 
but yeah, it's it was a good question, and it, it did kind of make me think. Huh, how's this going to work? Again, I'm always kind of looking. Just the nature of how I look at things. I look down the road and say, "Well, that's kind of complex." Yeah, like I could see, I could see something happening where that dynamic event would take place, and you'd get a message from Xenothreat being like, "I know you're a pirate. Join our side." And then you could get a message from a- Agent Dooley or or whatever her, I don't know if it was Agent or something else, uh, Lieutenant, whatever it was. You'd get something from Dooley that said. Listen, we'll wipe away your criminal record if you fight for us. Right, right. And then you'll get negative rep with Xeno threat and positive rep with UEE. Right. Think of how think of how fun it would be if they had like uh, like the ability to be conscripted by pirates. Yeah, you know you're you know you're forced to become a pirate. Right. That's that was the reality of of many real pirates. Is their ship is stopped and they're saying, hey, you can you can basically go down with your ship or you can join ours. Okay, I'm a pirate today. I think I'd like to live. Yeah. <laughs> right? So how do you how do you get force. back to how, well it yeah. would be a cool opportunity? Like it's like yeah, you know, how how much fun did we have going to jail the other day? That was a blast. <laughs> I mean it, it just it's such a different element, you know, it's different yeah. than what you've experienced in the game. Yeah, and you wanna and I I want to explore all of it. Um but, you know, I do want to under my own terms. So, yeah, of course. Yeah. I do feel like what it'll end up being is people have their own choices, but they have to know what the consequences of those choices mean. Right. Right. Um, so then I we got two questions via email. And, of course, I didn't put his um, name in there, but it's, it's our regular email correspondent at this All point. All righty. Good. <laughs> so Man on the street. Online. Yeah. And his uh, wife, right? Oh no, uh, it's Ivine. Yeah, Ivine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whiplashes with his wife usually, yes, or yes. and or um, wing white yeah. or uh, winged angel. He is uh, my nor. He is my Norwegian. Uh, my uh, my person I lived through vicariously to be Norwegian. Oh. He's Norwegian. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think so too. Um, but he said also with relationship to rep gameplay, and this might be a little bit repetitive, but he throws out a, a little bit of um, a little bit more theory crafting. So he said, going back to rep gameplay, how would it work um, with um, showing other players your rep? Uh, it's a bit out there and very think tanky, but what if you could pay a lot of money and be able to hack your rep? for a small amount of time so that when you apply for an org, even though you are a real scoundrel with super bad standing and no good intentions, it would appear like you had a clean straight, a clean slate when the org checks it. I thought this might lead to some interesting spy slash sabotage gameplay and also make recruiters have to get good at um, flushing out those suspicious looking looks to be too good to be true applicants. Right. Um, Isn't that funny? What asking, is there to... Asking you as a real recruiter in real life. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just do background checks. <laughs> um, but And also ask questions that you have to know how to answer. Right, you know? right. Yeah. Uh, when, I, I, when I interview a product manager and I said, tell me about a product that you worked on end to end and they can't answer the question, they're not very good. Maybe that's why I'm unemployed. I don't know. 
<laughs> I keep talking about that tonight. I shouldn't. It's not. It's, um, it's not too bad for me, but for others out there, I feel your pain. Is it starting to get to you, Seagard? I think it's starting to get to you. It's getting to me, man. It's getting to me. I'm going crazy. <laughs> Do we need so, to monetize this podcast? <laughs> we, no, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> um, and then he said, "What is it to stop other players from making?" And this is a good example of even without. The rep thing. What's to stop players from making fresh characters, applying for orgs, sabotaging, spying? Um, and then he said, at least this way, there's a bit more gameplay. So versus creating new characters, at least there's a bit more gameplay around the rep stuff, a bit more cloak and dagger like. So yeah. I guess your reaction. I, you know, it is actually um, a concern for the org, right? I mean, that's one of our big insecurities. Um, I think we all lived through some of the aspects of EVE Online, which is a wonderful game. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah, there was a lot of, you know, crazy moments there. Um, but I think it would be a great gameplay in NPC land. I think yeah. it would be fantastic. Um, you know, you're like an undercover cop even. Uh, or you're uh, it's like you the know, departed. A- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a great idea. And I do think it could be fun in an org, um, given the right person, right? I think almost, um, I think like one of the criteria, maybe you have two characters and one you could use one of your characters to infiltrate your own org. It would be yeah. a great, it'd be a great sales technique for, for CIG. And it would also mean you're vested, so you're not going to really hurt your org. But maybe it does lead down this espionage thing where you're leaving clues and people have to figure things out. And, you know, an NPC is murdered. Now you've got a mystery to solve, right? Mm. Uh, I think that would be a great thing. But like like they talked with uh, the group this weekend on the lore, you can have a great idea, but the implementation of it technically is very hard. So I don't know, I don't know how they would protect people from abusing it. Yeah, right. Yeah, I would say the the best that we do right now is we have a trial period, and yeah. we wait yeah. till multiple interactions with people before we make them fully vested, so they don't have access to our org chat, they don't have access right. to any of the confidential information. Granted, someone who's spying would have to play. Right. Um, spy much longer, but still, you know, that would be kind of hard to fake if it's a limited time hack. Right. And you could also, you know, you, yeah, it's hard. I know in Eve, they had actual guys who did that for years. They were the deputy of the org and finally took over and locked all the ships, basically locked everyone away from their ships in the org. For, oh, wow. For several thousand people. Yeah. They just oh, wow. locked That's insane. Yeah, so it did get a little out of control, but it you know the guy became legendary. I mean, really, it's it's amazing stuff when you're that dedicated. But I could see bribery being a factor, right? In oh, currency 100%. games, and you know, um, I, I I do think it would be interesting. I think the limitation was I, I don't know how you would execute that. I don't know how you would do it. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, it, it should be interesting. And I realize I'm Vine's um, uh, second question was for Chekhov. So he can't answer tonight. And it's really funny. So I don't want to read it in advance. I want to hear Chekhov's 
reaction to it in game. You know, because when we do get that laugh, it's like it's like a newborn baby just. It's funny. Uh, He's such a good guy. Just emerged, or you know, a, a, an angel gets its wings. <laughs> he is. He is just such a good guy to play with. <laughs> very can-do attitude. Absolutely, very pleasant. I mean, that's all the a time. lot of people yeah. in the group. Um, so that leaves us with our last question. Uh, if you do have questions for next week, or even uh, as I mentioned too, like if you have something you did for science and you want to tell us, if you um, wanted us to do something for science and you want us to explore something, uh, you can make that suggestion. If you even just have general comments, we love feedback. If there's anything else you want to hear from us, um, let us know. You can do so from the following, uh, one of the following ways. You can... Uh, submit them by emailing us at readcastsc at gmail.com. You could DM our Twitter handle at readcastsc. You could submit a message through Anchor. You could post on our Readcast Discord question section. Or you can text us or leave a voicemail at 646-783-8154. So that's many different ways to ask us questions. Um and, you know, as we always say here, if you are looking for that special org and you still haven't found any and you're like, hmm, who do I want to hang out with, explore the verse, um, but follow the the UEE law and, uh, you know, be very respectful, I think Reed's a good choice. It stands for Research and Engineering through Exploration and Discovery. If, uh, if you want to check out any of our other content creators, uh, please don't miss uh, Earth, spelled O-Earth. Um, he has some videos on YouTube. You could listen to the music. Uh, you could also listen to the music that Admiral Cody and Calibri have been creating, which is also some of it's featured in our episode. Links are found in the notes um, as well. So that wraps up another episode of Readcast. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>